on Macquarie Radio NTS. This is What's Cooking with Nerida Conway, bringing you a tasty assortment of all things food and wine. Hello and welcome to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway and on today's show we're going to be talking to Chef Jessie Gurner, who's the chef and owner of Bomba Bar, Green Park Dining and Anada Restaurants. Also Pierre Rolfs, pastry and dessert chef and the creator of Dessert Evenings, which we'll be finding out more about later. Shane Barrett, head sommelier at Bomba and also one of the best chefs in the country, Mark Best, best by name, best by nature, from Mark in Sydney and Pay Modern in Melbourne, who's launching a, a new book very shortly and also will be Answering your curly questions. Guess who's coming to dinner with Nerida Conway? You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm Nerida Conway, and in the studio with me now, I've got Jessie Gurner. You are chef of many, many places. I don't know how you have time to even sleep at night. How are you, Jessie? I'm good, Nerida. How are you? Good. How does a young man like you? so busy and get so many restaurants and bars and things under their belt? For me, it just sort of happened slowly, really. I, um, I I started quite young. I started when I was 15. Okay. And um, in like my apprenticeship and, and I just sort of loved it and worked hard and qualified when I was just before I was 20. Yes. And um, just a matter of circumstances, I um, bought into a restaurant in Newcastle, a big cafe called The Grind when I was like 21 and um, we just brought some interesting sort of techniques and flavours to Newcastle. We we had our own pastry chef and... I've never been to Newcastle. I need to go. I've, he- I've heard it's just beautiful though. The beaches are nice and... Yeah. Yeah, and the, you know, food industry is really coming along now, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we ended up selling it to a rugby league player a couple of years later and going off to London and um, working at the at Morrow and River Cafe and... Okay. With of, Jamie? Yeah. No, Jamie wasn't there at the time. But um, well, We don't need two geniuses in the kitchen, no, do we? No, no. no. Um, Our heads would sort of collide somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, and then just sort of came back to, um, to Australia and had a look at Sydney and then just fell in love with Melbourne. I wasn't originally from Melbourne. Um, I sort of did my apprenticeship in Adelaide, actually. Oh. And then, um, <clears throat> yeah, just sort of started Anyada. Eight now, years ago. But tell me, why did you pick that style of cuisine? Tell us about the food there. Oh, uh, Anyada. Well, mm. it, well, I love – it actually it came back to the Morrow books mm. um, when they first came out, the original, the first Morrow book. I just really loved that Andalusian, which is the southern Spanish flavours. It had a lot of influence from the Moors and Morocco. And, um, and so you had the saffron – cumin, you know, coriander seed, mm. like, and just a whole lot of really interesting sort of flavours mm. and techniques. And um, and then when we went to London, I got a job at Morrow and part of my job there was flying to Spain and like basically hiding charcuterie, like ham on and stuff in my backpack and flying back. Um, <laughs> awesome. On, on Ryanair, you know. And, um, <clears throat> and the then, sniffer dogs would have had a field day with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to do three chefs at a, at a time and <clears throat> it, was, it was just a really good experience. And then I met like some amazing people in, in Spain, a, a food writer friend called Cesc, or Francesc Castro. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so the adventures started. Like, so we... We started then sort of going, you know, trying to find restaurants in tuna villages or like hunting down cheesemakers or cooking in gastronom- gastronomic societies in the Basque country. Wow, how and, amazing. 
Yeah, so since then I've been going every year. So for the last 12 years we go oh, back to Spain and do an adventure. That's basically. awesome. And when yeah. you're not busily at Ibiza just living it up, you're actually working. <laughs> yeah. Is that true? That's that's correct. <laughs> um, so yeah. you've got now um, – so I love Bomba. Yeah. It's got the awesome rooftop, smack bang in the CBD in Melbourne. Um, the cocktails and things particularly I think are pretty special. Oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we're actually expanding that rooftop. Hopefully by next summer. How so, exciting. Oh, look, Melbourne's people. got some people. If you're visiting Melbourne, the rooftop bars just go off, don't they? They do, yeah. It's good They're fun. so and... good. Now, Green Park Dining. So tell me what you've got going there. Some very exciting things. Yeah, so Green Park uh, for me is, is a... Because well, you only took that over not too long ago. Not too long. Yeah, well, it's a fun. It's a story. I actually started it with um, Salvatore. I was part of this... St. Ali for a moment while we opened the restaurant and we parted ways and then I bought it back with a group and um, yeah it's more oh it's a big thing Green Park it's mm. um, it's a big cafe that mm. and we we make all our own bacon and sausages and do everything by hand basically it's beautiful um, it's in um, North Carlton that's right and on Nicholson Street in Melbourne for those of you who want to go and check it out. And then we also added like a natural wine bar and at night it's much more different sort of um, tasting plates. And and yeah, the guy who's running it used to be a junior Sioux at the Ledbury in London. So there's a lot of really interesting technique and great flavours. And yeah, that's the nights. And then Howard Stamp used to run Movida. So there is that Spanish influence um, that we work together. Um, and it's a great funky space, right? kind of near the bark shop. And yeah, and we're really trying to make it green as well. So we recycle all the food waste there, mm. gets turned into fertiliser like And you don't have to be a hipster to go there, do you? No, no, you don't need a beard. <laughs> um, even like one. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. This has been going for about four years. Tell me about the Sugar Mountain Festival sensory restaurant that you did because it sounds amazing. Yeah, it was amazing actually. It was... Um, it was a whole lot of fun. So basically we got thrown into a room with cut copy. The um, band. The Love band. Them. Yeah, heaps of fun. And then these great designers called Tin and Ed. Yeah, we had a whole lot of fun sort of designing this whole theatre into this almost Escher-esque kind of crazy black and white sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we matched our food with cut copy and we had essences from Aroma Australia. Oh, my gosh. And, um, How amazing. What was yeah, the feedback? Yeah, it was it was really good. Like it was four hundred people. I think we served in five hours or something. Oh it my was, goodness! It was, I think everyone had a great time. Everyone sort of walked out of there after having a glass tube dessert from Pierre. <laughs> you know, just sucking it in and sort of like you know we hid oh. food on the tables and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You're a bit so. of a genius, I've got to say. Oh, thanks. Yeah, just the things that you think no. of blow me away. Really, I think you are just an extraordinary, very incredibly unique chef. Unique. Thank you. No, in a, in a great way, like oh, in cheers. an amazing way. I just think you're amazing, Jesse, and thank you so much for coming in. If you haven't been to any of Jesse's restaurants, why the heck not? You're missing out. Um, I, as I said, I honestly don't know how much time to sleep, and you've got little children too. Yeah, three little boys. But somehow you manage it. <laughs> And you I must have so. an awesome partner. <laughs> yeah, she's the driving force. Oh, thank you so much, Jesse, for coming in. And um, we're going to get you back to have another chat soon. Thank you. You're with Nerida Conway on What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. You're listening to What's Cooking with Nerida Conway. 
and welcome back to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio NTS. I'm joined in the studio now by Pierre Ruloffs. Did I pronounce that right? You did. Thank you. Oh, it's just how I roll. I'm so good at pronouncing Dutch names. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you are an exquisitely talented pastry and dessert chef and the creator of Dessert Evenings, which I need to ask you about. Just give us a little bit of background about how you became so awesome Um, at making desserts. Because I'm awesome, but you know, you look fit and buff to me, and you don't look like there's an inch of anything that resembles cakes on you. Lots of discipline. Oh. Yeah, I'm one of those disciplined pastry chefs. I envy that skill. Works really hard and um, I taste everything I make. But, really? Um, Are you a sweet tooth by nature? Absolutely, yeah. I, I didn't think I was until okay. I um, went on holiday and, and wasn't working and then sort of realised that I was craving sweet okay. sweet bits now and again. I guess when I'm working, I just get to eat lots of little sweet treats as I go. Okay. Um, I'm definitely a sweet tooth. So how did you become this? Um, my dad was a pastry chef, so right. he, he worked in... Um, Big five-star hotels in the 80s. In the, in the Australia? No, all over the world. So wow. predominantly in the Middle East. Wow. Um, so we grew up in Dubai. Gosh. Dad was opening um, hotels in Dubai. And yeah, sort of in that time when, you know, there was still a demand for sugar showpieces and butter sculptures and um, chocolate showpieces and weddings that went. Mm. Um, and I can imagine some of the budgets would have been huge. Absolutely, yeah. So he was doing a lot of stuff for the royal family and... So as a as a five year old going to visit dad at work, it was quite a um, <laughs> it was quite an experience. <laughs> Did you kind of break bits off the structures and? I didn't touch anything. Um, I was very very well behaved, but um, all of the chefs My in the kitchen. My kids just been sticking their fingers in and breaking off, snapping off bits of the exhibits. Yeah, I think I kind of knew that um, I was allowed to look, but but not touch. <laughs> But all the pastry chefs would hand me little bits and pieces Aww. as I walked past to taste. Cute. So that just made a huge impact on me as a as a kid. And um, when you're growing up, everyone asks you all the time what you want to be when you grow up. And mm. my answer was just pastry chef from a very young wow. age. And um, eventually I grew into that answer, I guess. Yeah, that, that's how it all started for me. Gosh, and did you train in Australia? No, I trained in um, New Zealand originally. I was going to say, I've got a, I noticed a bit of a Kiwi yeah, twang. Yeah, it comes through now and again. Yeah. Um, and kind of knew that I was getting a good foundation, but that I needed to do more if I really wanted to um, make a career of it. Yeah. So I, um, I basically told my dad that I wanted to work overseas. I needed his help and he set me up with a job. Um, How this awesome. is where it gets was quite he romantic. Really proud? He was. I mean, he did, he did say, you know, be realistic about this profession. It's, it's long hard hours. Work. It's, yep. you know, you've got to be passionate. If you're not passionate, you'll always. It's um, kind of a vocation, isn't it? Exactly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't have that true passion, somewhere along the lines, you'll you'll kind of burn out away from it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, so he set me up with a job in a tiny family-run patisserie in the Swiss Alps. Wow. You couldn't make this up, right? Um, where he had worked thirty years before as a young. <gasps> I've got goosebumps. <laughs> that's gorgeous. Yeah, so that's that's how it kind of all started. So wow. he he drove me um, he drove me to Switzerland. He dropped me off. Um, I spoke no German, wow. and um, he stuck around for a day, and then off he went. I was seventeen, so I guess when you're that age, you're so can... brave of a seven. I mean, seventeen year olds that I know are lucky to go to catch the tram into the city. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Um, maybe I was a seventeen year old that. Kind of just. Well, you sound obviously very mature, and I guess because you've had the travel as a kid, it, I think it does help you in terms of feeling independent. Earlier. Yeah, and I didn't overthink it either. So, yeah. I mean, in hindsight, yeah, it was really tough. I didn't speak a word of German. Wow, it's um, quite extraordinary. I had extraordinary. to learn it really quickly. Um, my first word was putzen, which means clean, which gives you an idea of 
Um, I thought it might have been something else. <laughs> so I did a lot of cleaning. Wow. Until I started to learn enough to oh. be able to um, do more complicated jobs. So, um, so yeah, I got a, a hang of the language. Um, I did an apprenticeship in Switzerland, which is like a three-year formal apprenticeship, mm. and then spent another year working in the Swiss Alps, um, which was great. Um, and it was a great grounding, very traditional. Good chocolate. Great chocolate, um, but everything we did was, you know, old school, mm. um, classic patisserie, which was great to learn. And so tell me what you've got to do with Jesse, because we've just been ch- chatting to Jesse Gurner mm. from Bomba. What what have you got to do with him? So I've sort of partnered up with Jesse and a couple of the guys from Bomba, and um, um, I wanted to do something beyond the dessert evenings. So the idea was to come up with Pierre's. They named it, not me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't too much resistance on my part, but um, I wanted to try and do, I guess, my desserts and, and what I do, but mm. in a more accessible um, format. So the dessert evenings were great. They ran for six years. Yes. It was sort of my fine dining um, desserts um, and my creative expression, and the idea was to kind of take all that I know and what I'm well known for mm. and put them in a more... Um, Street version, I guess. I'm, I'm sort of saying it's fine dining, dessert, dessert treats. It's kind of how I see it. So, yeah, right. Um, I'm doing a pop up at the moment, which is based around soft serve, but long term. And that's at Green Park. That's at Green Park. Yeah. Um, every Saturday and Sunday. Um, but long term, I'm looking for a site, and um, once we do get the site and we're ready to go, it'll be a lot more than just soft serve. But soft serve made made sense for the. Can for the you pop-up. set up in Brunswick, just near where I live? I'm, I've always been north side. <laughs> So I'd definitely like to stay north side. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, I want to just be able to walk down. Whereabouts in Brunswick? Or you don't... Well, I don't want to tell yeah, our exactly. whole entire <laughs> national this is my address. However, I'm not far from Hellenic Republic okay, in great. East Brunswick. Yep. So I've, I've got a few ideas in mind. <laughs> I'll discuss Maybe, them off yeah, air. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, we're looking for a site. These things take time. Yeah. Um, I'm a perfectionist, so I want to do it right. Um and, um, yeah, I'm working on, 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 on the full offering, I guess, the other bits mm, and pieces that I'd like to do. What's your favourite soft serve flavour um, for the you moment, personally? For me personally, I'm really liking what I'm making, which is just a really yeah. well-made vanilla soft serve. Okay, yeah. Um, it's um, fresh milk, fresh cream, sugar, um, vanilla beans um, and a tiny bit of salt. Mm, yeah, so it's been um, really, really fun to make and people have really enjoyed Eating a soft serve that's, um, I guess, homemade. Yes. I guess people have the association of it, of it being, you know, around Mr. Whippy and something yes. that's cold and white that comes out of the machine. Yes. And that's kind of, I think it's been a revelation for a lot of people to eat a soft serve that um, is actually homemade and Gosh, has a little bit more delicious. thought that goes into it. Yeah. Do you do a, a, a Dutch chocolate? Not, not yet. Well, I think that's ironic. You are Dutch. I am. Heritage. I've got to work on that. And it's my favourite flavour, so can you make that happen? I'm actually quite well known <laughs> for not doing much with chocolate, which Aww. is quite unusual for a pastry chef. Well, I don't know that we can be friends anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm open. I'm open to suggestions okay. and ideas. And does your little – you've got a really cute little boy, and how? And um, does he love it? He loves it. He loves that Daddy's an ice cream man. Yeah. <laughs> He's now an ice cream boy. He can go into school and so, kinder and say, yeah. my Daddy's an ice cream maker. So he, he visits every weekend. <laughs> Um, he gets his own little custom-made soft serve, depending on what he feels like for the day. Oh, that's gorgeous. Um, and he lived quite a sheltered life um, up until he was around two, so there was very little chocolate As and ice cream, should. that sort of thing. Yeah, but oh. now the dam's broken. The dam water's broken. <laughs> uh, suffer. 
like yeah, the rest of us suffer. Exactly, yeah. That's all I can say. Welcome to the real world. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming in to chat with us, Thank Pierre. You, it's just been beautiful to get to know you a little bit. Um, get on down to Green Park Dining, very, very limited time, so that you can have some beautiful homemade soft serve. Yep. Um, I'll be fighting them off. And you can find out more about us on social media and we've got a yes. website up. And, yes, and um, also on whats-cooking.com.au, our website. Exactly. And um, we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers. You're with What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. Now it's My Shout with Nerida Conway. Welcome back to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. I've got Shane Barrett with me in the studio here. He's the head sommelier at Bomba. We've been chatting to the owner of Bomba, Jesse Gurner, and also special dessert king, Pierre Rolfs. And I'm very excited to have you here, Shane. Thank you very much for having me. Now, uh, you've brought in some... Some vermouth. Vermouth. So, um, I've pos- had it in drinks before, in cocktails. What would it be a cocktail that I normally would find that in? Uh, nearly all of the old classic cocktails. So martinis will use a, a white dry vermouth, mm-hmm. um, like uh, Negronis and Manhattans and Old Fashions will use a, a red sweet vermouth. They're probably all my favourite cocktails. Yeah, well, it, the, vermouth is one of the first um, first alcohols to be produced in the, in the way that it's made, which is by fortification. So, okay. Yeah. I've never had it on its own and apparently, you've just told me, it's a thing. It is, yeah, especially um, in, well, in Italy and in Spain where it uh, originates from. Um, yeah, they drink it uh, at lunch basically because it's a little bit lower in alcohol than wine. Um, is and it really? Well, a little bit, that? yeah. Okay. Yeah, depending on the, on the style that you, you get. Um, and it makes a, yeah, it's just a really good aperitif. How exciting. I'm very excited I say that because you've got a glass here. With an orange and an olive in it, and I can only assume you're going to pour some vermouth into them. Yes, certainly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we've got two different styles here. We've got um, a white style, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, a black style. So basically, vermouth is um, is wine, mm-hmm. um, which has been flavoured with herbs and spices. Essentially. Gosh, how beautiful! So the white one. Where's Where's the grapes come from to make it? Or the so this is a Catalonian one. Okay. Um, comes from a small town called uh, Tarragona. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in the hills, uh, close to Barcelona. Is that the only place it comes from? No, it comes from. They make it all over the world. So some of the most, some of the oldest, the most famous spirit brands in the world are vermouth brands. So Cinzano, uh, which is one of the oldest uh, spirit brands going around. Yep. Uh, Lillet, um, all of these uh, like really well household name spirit household spirit names yeah. um, are all actually vermouth. Okay, I didn't um, realise that. Yeah, and not many people do. Like, um, mm. so yeah, in in Europe, it's the, the white one. Basically, is a is a what is a white wine, mm. and it's been um, basically they make the wine mm. and then they fortify it with a bit of alcohol, um, which essentially is uh, helps to preserve it. Uh, and then they, um, yeah, they add in, you know, a range of herbs and spices. Uh, what kind of herbs? Well, each each different vermouth house has its all, keeps it as a secret. Yes, but usually, like, like the Colonel's exactly. Fried chicken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the main ones are like, uh, you know, quinine, which is essential, is pretty much in all of them. Yeah. Um, and then in the white ones, a lot of citrus. So okay. this has like got a bit of grapefruit. And that's why um, you put a little orange in there for Yeah, some... yeah, yeah. So usually with the white one, you've got an olive in yours, but usually with the white one you wouldn't serve it with an olive. The olive is more for the for the black one. Okay. Um, I love olives. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's designed as an aperitif mm. to be drunk before before the meal. So, yeah, have a little taste. I'm going to. Think. How exciting. Um, how did you get started? 
Um, my parents own a vineyard uh, yeah. in Tasmania. Yeah, really? so whereabouts in Tassie? Uh, in the Huon, so it's about uh, forty minutes south of of Hobart. Um, so I've always been around wine. Okay, I think this is my new favourite drink. It's good, isn't it? It's got oh, a, yes. <laughs> it's got a good balance between, like, it's a little bit sweet, which it's makes almost, it quite not palatable. It's, but it's almost mulled winey. It is, yeah. And yeah. I think once you, try, 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 once you taste the black one, you will, uh, you'll, you know, it's even more mulled winey. And essentially it's the same thing as mulled wine. You Gosh. know, with, with a wine, you mulled wine, you, you have your wine and then you add in your spices. The spices are, are um, absolutely beautiful. Like you can really pick up. I've got cloves I can pick up. Yeah, yeah. So they use – like there's – 150 different um, different spices Ooh. apparently in uh, in these. Golly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wouldn't have thought in my wildest dreams to have poured myself just a vermouth by itself. No, no, it's definitely not it's something awesome. which has been uh, which it's quite is quite sweet though. It is, yeah. So because you haven't got ice in this, it, it makes it more sweet as well. Mm-hmm. If you had some ice in there, it would sort of help to dilute it a little bit, right? Um, and would sort of cut back on that sweetness by also by chilling it down slightly. Um, you couldn't have too many though before a meal because it's it no. is quite sweet and you. It depends, yeah, yeah. You can. I mean, usually what they would do is they would have like a glass of this because mm. also a lot a lot of these cultures their main meal is in the middle of the day. Yeah, right. Um, so they have to go back to work afterwards. So how do they function doing that? I, I have a big meal and a <laughs> even half a glass of wine in the middle of the day, and I am just useless. Yeah, it's totally different over there. I'm funny I mean, but useless. Yeah, they have a siesta obviously in the <laughs> afternoon, but it's a very much and and because they would you know in in Spain and in Italy as well <laughs> mm. that you know. You, they would never eat without drinking wine as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just a different culture. For them, they drink wine um, with with every meal and it's not, you know, they're happy just to have a glass of wine and that's it. Mm. It's not the same culture in Australia where if you're going to have a wine, you have to have like the whole know, bottle. six of them and yeah. you know, end up being a bit tipsy at yes. the end. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really not like that over there. And, like, you know, when you sit down to lunch with, with families, yeah. um, especially in the country, um, yeah, you know, the, the young children will have a glass of wine. It's really a totally different culture, which is oh, difficult I, to I've explain. never been there, but I would love it. It's I amazing. would love it. <laughs> it sounds like my way to live. <laughs> yeah. You can be uh, a night owl. Yeah. It's a totally different way of living your life over mm. there. Yeah. They're much more relaxed. Um, yeah. And they, they have a, a different concept of time um, to what we have. <laughs> Which is a lot less stressful, I'm tipping. Yeah. Um, yes, it is, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. I think that um, especially in the country, um, it's a lot more, you know, Spain is not a, a, a country which has a really burgeoning, you know, economy. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of the people, especially in the country, still rely, on, you know, rely so much off the land there. Mm. Um, it's almost like going back in time a little bit. Mm, how beautiful. Um, yeah, it is. Would now, you like to try? Sorry. Oh yes, no, of course I would. I'd love to try the black one too. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to know the difference between them. Obviously, besides the colour. Yeah. So basically, the colour from this one comes from red uh, grapes. No, no, oh. they're actually both made um, from white grapes. But the this one is macerated with green walnuts, which gives it oh, this, good um, Lord. this colour here. So this um, is much more uh, savoury. So there's more rosemary. Gosh. There's more thyme. There's more of those sort of. Um, those hard hardwood. Oh, I love this one. This, so this it's is, almost a little bit colery. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and um, yeah. kinotoy. Kinotoy is a, what a lot of people. Oh, say. I could seriously do your job. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, I, I've just got it nailed, haven't I? It's, My it's, taste buds are on fire it's today. Pretty, it's pretty easy, really. <laughs> no, it's not. It's very hard. <laughs> Drink a few things. I'd really few, like uh, that. Descriptors, yeah. Mm. Gee, I can't decide which one I prefer, actually. Different yeah. days, different one. Different time of the day, I suppose. Mm. The, the black one is probably a bit more versatile as far as cocktails go. Slightly, slightly bitter aftertaste at the end, which I really like. Yes, yeah. And I think that I prefer that one too. Yeah. Just... What are you doing with Bomba? So what's your job entail? Just for people who are interested um, in what a sommelier does. So my job is basically to look after all of the drinks in the venue. Okay. Um, so you so... have to order them all. You've got to have the right mix. You've yeah. got to make sure that... So, the drinks fit the food? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of fun stuff, like those ones that you mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. picking the wines and the spirits, you know, making the cocktails. All Spanish? Mostly Spanish, yeah. Okay. We have a few Australian wines in there, but okay. we try and keep it as Spanish as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the more boring stuff, like, you know, making sure that the... Uh, the, the kegs are... Yeah, that we're, <laughs> we're counting the stock and, you know, yeah. it's not going missing and, you know, that we're making the right amount of money off each wine and yes. all this sort of stuff, which is... Not as exciting. <laughs> do you get to put together special cocktails that you can design yourself? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do a lot of stuff with cocktails, especially because we've got a rooftop bar, which is, you know, a cocktail bar. It's um, awesome. Love it so much. Yeah, it's a good spot up there. Mm. So, yeah, we, you know, we, we're always trying to, you know, keep it fresh by, you know, new ingredients, new cocktails. You know? Okay. What's one of your favourite drinks? Okay, so just just very quickly, I'm coming over for dinner. Mm-hmm. Sorry to announce this on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need a little heart starter. Yeah. And then I want something for entree and something for main and something for dessert. What are you going to serve me? Okay. And we're having paella and we're having other Spanish Yeah, food. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having um, some bombers. I don't know. For, for it to start off with, we can, you know, a Negroni is a good option. Love it. Um, and then wine-wise, you know, I love Riesling uh, with entrees. You know, it's lots of fantastic different styles of Riesling. Yep. Uh, and for red, probably it would be Pinot Noir. Nice. Very simple, yeah. I was hoping for something a little fancier in terms of some special cocktail for me, but I'll let that slide. <laughs> <I'll>, <laughs> Next time. With a bit more notice and I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, you have been gorgeous. Thank you so much for coming on What's Cooking. Uh, it's a pleasure. It was great fun. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. We'll um, see you soon. Head down and go and have one of Shane's amazing cocktails. Get him to pick you a drink at Bomba. You're with What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS. What's new with Nerida Conway. And you're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio, NTS with Nerida Conway. And on the line, I've got Mark Best, best by name, best by nature. How are you, Mark? Too charming, I'm sure. (laughs) How are you? Oh, I'm good. Were you impressed with that title? Best by name, best by nature? I think that should go on your business cards now. Above my bedhead. I'll let you have that one, all right? <laughs> now, Mark, you are chef extraordinaire of um, Mark, as in M A R Q U E, yep. which is a bit weird. Why didn't you just go with Mark? M A R K? Yeah, it was just a little bit simple. <laughs> right. Had to yeah. make it a bit fancier than normal. A bit flash. You know, right. now I'm probably fully reconciled to um, yeah, <laughs> my name and everything. I probably would have called it Mark and it would have stopped people mispronouncing it well, there for you go. some years now. <laughs> it doesn't seem to have harmed or done any danger anyway. Um, and also Pay Modern in Collins Street in Melbourne. Uh, Mark's yep. in Surrey Hills, obviously, in Sydney. Mark in Surrey Hills. In yes. Sydney, yeah, and Pay Modern in the Four Seasons in um, Sydney as well. So brought uh, Yes, how's that one going, hometown. by the yeah, way? It's fantastic. Yeah, Is it? Wonderful. Yeah, wonderful working with, um, you know, um, a prestigious hotel like the Four Seasons. And, yes. Uh, Oh, that's good. So 
You've got some very exciting news to share with us. Tell me, tell me all about it. So I'm about to um, officially launch my second book, Best Kitchen Basics, in March. So it's been about three years coming from uh, my long-suffering publishers, Hardy Grant. <laughs> um, and, uh, and they very well know that the first thing I did was spend their uh, generous advance. So um, anyway, <laughs> it took a while before the words uh, got onto paper. What did you buy? Something exciting, I hope. You know, Toys? I mean, restaurants that just went into consolidated revenue. Oh, shame. I thought you were going to say something. We probably paid off a wine bill. You know? Oh, that's a shame. I was hoping it was something much more exciting than that, like a, a drone or something, you know, a boy toy of some kind. Yeah, no, I'm, not, uh, I'm just well through that midlife crisis. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Well, my main question is, the book is called Kitch- Best Kitchen Basics, mm. and your food to me when I eat it, Mark, particularly, mm. is far from basic to the point where it's incredibly incredibly clever and it's what you've I'll, done I'll with it Dale. clever i don't think it's elaborate i, I think, think it's i think it's not i wouldn't call it basic though this is the basic. thing it's basic it's not basic because it's um because it's what you've done it's with new. it i guess i guess i have uh, a different eye a different capacity for dealing with ingredients and yeah. even my, my own voice and I think that's what I've brought to the book as well, Best Kitchen Basics. So while they are basic recipes, they're not cliched. Yeah, I was going to say, so I guess your, this, this book is obviously reflective of the basics that you have to know before you, it's like crawling before you can run. Well, yeah, look, there is a, there is a sort of didactic component to it, but you know, I just, I just wanted to excite people about, about basic things. So the basic references, I guess, basic commodity vegetables and things that every day. So um, mm. good cooking is not about luxury ingredients or rare ingredients or exclusivity mm. or expense. It's about taking what you have and, and turning it into something delicious and wonderful and evocative and getting people excited at the table. So mm, that sounds awesome. Things like the capsicum, the eggplant, uh, a leg of lamb, mm. a chicken, um, lemons, you know, these basic things um, that can turn into something wonderful. And I just show, I guess, the possibilities for these basic ingredients um, and try and get people excited about them. It's not this cooking, not this rarefied thing. It's, no. it's a craft, you know. It's about, Absolutely. It's about gardening. It's about growing. It's about cooking. Do you have a garden at home? Uh, I live in an apartment. Oh, have I you got a herb box? <laughs> a little no. box of herbs, maybe? No. no not, even a, not even a beehive on the roof. Oh, I'm a bit sad for you about that, Mark. I know. I've got know. an amazing veggie garden, and we just go nuts every day. We just I pick have off this the... uh, agrarian fantasy that, um, anyway, maybe. <laughs> so can you please give me a couple of examples of things that I can find in this book that's going to be something that I could serve quite um, without too much stress? I guess... Yeah, like the roast leg of lamb is interesting. Um, I guess the cooking is not that technical and probably not that different from what you would uh, do yourself, but um, we roll it in, in chamomile tea and not chamomile tea bags. I mean, go to a very good supplier of, you know, P2 or something like that, or, you know, we use Jing tea bag, uh, Jing chamomile, which is absolutely fantastic, wow. and roll the lamb in that. Lots of um, Murray River salt. And Gosh, and freshly ground black pepper. So you eat, you actually eat the tea leaves on the tea on the. It's not lamb. tea leaves. I mean, they just obviously they look like little dried oh. daisies. When oh, you get yes, good yes, chamomile, yes. it's not this yellowy 
oxidized dust, the yes. most simple thing is camel, it's like little, little, tiny little paper daisies and you just roll Beautiful. it in that and then roast it and then we garnish it. We have a grower up here who gives us fresh chamomile just to garnish it and put it under it. Just That's just for aesthetics. Oh but my gosh. The um, chamomile gives the most wonderful um, like smell of uh, fresh dried pasture, hay, um, straw. You know, if you've ever smelled yeah. a beautifully fresh mown hay bale, it's just absolutely wonderful. Mm. So it's the idea of the lamb eating the pasture and in the pastures gets into the pan with oh, the lamb. Oh, that's gorgeous. But I'd buy the book based on that alone. That just yeah, sounds so, that's pretty, so it's gorgeous. It's pretty simple, but it's just, it, I guess it just, it makes it more evocative, you know. Yeah, and so, just um, a little bit different, and that's what you want. You know, you, you do, you're right. You want it to be basic, but you also want it to be, um, I guess, just mm. not so basic that no one wants to were, eat it. You know, some some tricky things, but again, a basic. Um, we have our parsnip cornetto, which is a dessert, and again, the context of putting a parsnip uh, for the last thing you eat at the restaurant um, is pretty interesting in itself, but it's absolutely delicious and and really does play like a like a, a sweet ice cream. We use an age old technique of soaking in in the calcified water. Um, so this is just it's, again, it's a very simple, approachable recipe. And then yep. baking the parsnip, hollowing it out, and then we fry it, and it's like just like a cornetto or waffle cone. Oh wow! And with the inside of the parsnip, we turn into um, parsnip ice cream. And again, it's gosh, honeyed this honeyed Yum. flavor, and it's absolutely delicious. So, you how know, do you uh, think of these things? Uh, it's just it's just about looking. I mean, we look at ingredients and we look at them in terms of just you know their names as a nouns. Where you make different you know fairly general associations. You just look at them in terms of you know their their texture, their flavour, their their aroma, um, the relative acidity, etc. And then just think of them in those, break them down, and then we can make different associations. So. It really is a special kind of brain, I think, to do this because I you know if there was a gun to my head. I would I not have, have been able to think of that. Creative zone and let the you know open yourself to the universe and the well, muse. Well, I'm creative in different know. ways, though, Mark. Can't all have your job. You are. You are. <laughs> you know, there'd be kind of too many marks in the world. Mark bests oh, in the world. I might interview you one day. Oh well, that would be <laughs> hilarious. Let's just say. <laughs> so there is an event that's open to the public to launch your book. There's a few actually, and I'm, I'm really thrilled about this because you know how often it's just a couple of choice media get invited along. You sort of hear a little bit of a hype about it, but I think given that the public are the people who get to buy your book and enjoy the recipes from it, what a wonderful idea to go along, enjoy, um, you know, the experience of meeting you. And I guess you're going to be there, aren't you? I'm, uh, yes, it would be churlish of me not to appear at my own launch. Well, I'm just checking because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it has been done before. <laughs> yeah, indeed. So, uh, so I'll, I'll be cooking um, uh, nearly six six courses um, from the book, everything there, so you're going to get to see what it's meant to be. How fantastic. And uh, So I'll just tell our listeners about the event. Tuesday, 1st of March, 6.30 to 9.30, Pay Modern yep. in Collins Street in Melbourne. Yep. Uh, also, Thursday, 3rd of March, 6.30 to 9.30 at Pay Modern in, at the Four Seasons Hotel in Sydney. And yep. uh, it's $150 a head for a six-course meal with wines and a copy of your book. Oh, my and, goodness. And I'll sign it for free. And you'll sign it for free. Value priceless. Yes. Well, I'm just sitting here, by the way, with Ian Curley, who's uh, I'm chatting oh. to after you. 
He's just said he's been to India with you. Oh, that's another whole segment. That's what happened in India stays in India. <laughs> Absolutely. It's another whole segment to discuss with you another time. I'm now dying to know. Anyway, um, so this is your book, Best Kitchen Basics. You're going to sign some. We've got some to give away to our listeners. Yep. Um, if you want to get a ticket, you go to www.iwannaticket. That's I-W-A-N-N-A-wannaticket.com.au. Yep. Find out more about it on whats-cooking.com.au as well. And um, I can't wait to, re- to get your book and read it through and have a crack at some of those things. And thank you Wonderful. so much, Mark, for joining us. I'm, I'm, I'm here on a lifeline for you. Thank you, Mark. Fantastic. <laughs> You're with What's Cooking Macquarie Radio, NTS. Curly Questions with Nerida Conway and Chef Ian Curley. You're listening to What's Cooking on Macquarie Radio NTS. It's time for my favourite segment of the week. You always say that. And then I end up hearing that you say, oh, about the chocolate. Oh, this is my favourite bit. And then there's the vermouth thing. Well, do you know what? I've got to say, when they bring in chocolate and you don't. Right. But I still say yours is my favourite segment. Yeah, but you've had you know, Pierre and you've had the other chocolate guys for the Valentine's Well, they week. were good, but you're still my favourite. Just, yeah. just accept it. Yeah. It's, I don't know if I believe you anymore. <laughs> You know, you told me you'd let me know what I was doing, and then now it's all, every week I'm thinking, oh, there's going to be a question in there that I don't know the answer to. And I'm never going to tell you what I'm going to go, do-do, you know. I love nothing more than that wincing look on your face. <laughs> that's, there's a lot of that going on. When you're trying to work out <laughs> what you should say. Oh, my goodness. And that's it. So uh, there you go. How was Valentine's for you? Oh, it hasn't been yet. No? Well, I'm still waiting. It's past the 14th. Valentine's Day has been and gone, oh, dear. but it still hasn't been yet. Yeah, he's, he's developing. He'll be, then will be creating something, I know. Do you know him. what? I've just let it slide, <laughs> and I've thought by the 20th or so, I'm actually then going to say mm. to him, um, how did Valentine's Day work out for you? Yeah, I'm going to text him. I'm going to text him. <laughs> yeah, he's a shocker. No. He, you know what? He stamps his little foot and says, I don't believe in Valentine's Day. Every day is Valentine's Day. Ah, uh, oh, sorry. Dear. Dear, oh dear. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, 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 yeah, anyway. Not okay. No. Right. Now, I've got some questions. Fantastic. <laughs> okay. How do I make vino cotto? What? It's just a, it's a reduced sweet, uh, I believe. I don't it, even know what it is. It's reduced wine. Right. It's essentially, and you, it's like a syrup. Okay. And it's beautiful. What do you do with it? Uh, we, we, I normally put it over balsamic, uh, not balsamic. It's, uh, I, I put it over like a white cheese and, and lighten things up and I also use it on pasta as well. It's like, it gives a sweetness. Right. So it's like the opposite. If you imagine, like a pomegranate molasses, but oh, the Italian yeah. version. Okay. So uh, I don't actually know what, what the actual thing it, it is, but I know I've, I've used it. And mm. I think I think it could actually be something to do with plums. But you know what? I'm probably wrong there. So you got me there. <laughs> see, see, this is the thing. Oh, I love and it. Now people, people go, how can he not know that? But I don't know that. But I've used Vincotto. And, it's, uh, and, 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 and I think what we love too mm. is the fact that you – um, you're it's telling, you're I'm, admitting I, I, well, <laughs> to our listeners that you well, don't know, no. which makes you human. Uh, well, it makes me, you'll be thinking, right, he's an idiot. No. We can get somebody else. No, not yeah. at all. Yeah. I think, um, I think yeah. that's great. Well, Vincotta, but I have used it and it's a, it's a, regi- and you know what? I'm going to, now it's going <laughs> to force me to research what it is. Good. But it's, but it's, it's definitely a syrup that we use and it's, uh, we, um, splash it around on white, on white cheeses and, uh, and pasta things to sweeten <laughs> things up. I'm making you a better man. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anytime. Oh my God. <laughs> How do I cook beef properly so it's rare for Thai beef salad? Finally. I always. <laughs> 
<laughs> I always overcook it. Right. What is? Can yeah. I can I say what the, the the thing big thing that people make mistake of mm. here? Get, cut your beef first. Which which cut? Uh, basically, I mean, the, the, obviously, the more tender the cut, the more expensive it's going to be. So yeah. if you've got eye fillet, it's, what about it's, a porterhouse? Porterhouse is good, but also to trim all the fat off, cut mm-hmm. your beef first into the strips, but marinate it right at the last second. But oh. Because what people do is they pour the soy sauce and everything else. Yeah, in. that's what I do. Well, of course, the soy sauce has got sugar and salt in it. It's, mm-hmm. It penetrates the meat and it actually starts to cook the meat oh. like a tartare that it cooks. So when they saute it. It ends up looking like it's already cooked, but it's yeah. not overcooked at all. So what you do is you actually cut your meat, get every, all your other ingredients ready first. Yes. Like things like add your herbs and stuff like that. They're not going to cook the meat. But then add your soy sauce and everything else and your ginger right at the last minute. And onto then, the meat? Onto the meat. Yep. And then quickly flash roast, like sort out in a wok and out straight right. away. okay. Bang. So, How do I cut it super, super, super fine, she went on to ask. Get a knife. <coughs> well... Well, you, but yeah, and also the thing with it is also all you do is cut it down. If you've got a porterhouse, cut it down and cut it the other way. Don't cut it too too fine, or else it ends up like a tartare, and it's like that's, okay. you end up with a burger. Okay, because I was going to say, what about this for an idea? Right, freezing it. Why? I'll tell you, getting a mandolin and slicing it on the mandolin when it's frozen. That's a carpaccio. Is it? Is it how you do carpaccio? Well, yeah, some people do that. Well, we batter. So it's frozen out. though. Yeah, of course. I thought it had to be super fresh to eat it raw. What, carpaccio? Mm. No, no. No, no. Most people will cut. If you're doing a Wagyu carpaccio, for example, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of fat in it, mm. you would freeze it and then slice it. So what's the difference? Why can't I just go to the supermarket, right, pick right. up some porterhouse steak, chop it up and eat it raw? Um, because porterhouse is quite tough to um But to in terms raw. of germs. Germs? Yeah, like eating raw meat, you sort of think, yeah. Well, you, you can eat raw meat. But the, the the reality of it is it, it's raw. So and you, you food poisoning bacteria. You, mm. You're best to cook it mm. with with a with, for example, steak tartare. Yeah. What happens is you actually cure it with the with the mustard and the lemon juice and the oh, onions okay. and stuff like that, and a touch of and you wash this your sauce. So it's almost basically yeah. cooked anyway. Yes, yeah, and it kind of doesn't cook cook, but it kind of still stays raw. And also the the chopping actually helps like make it palatable. Right. But a big piece of porterhouse, you, you wouldn't be chewing a big piece of porterhouse. I mean, you're not a Labrador. I saw a guy on Weirdest Weirdest Habits or one of those strange reality TV shows yeah. and he had to have three three raw meats last yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get that people want to have raw meat because it's good for you and also the quality of the meat. But if it's exceptional quality meat, mm. like, I mean, some of the Japanese Wagyu cuts and also some of the Australian beef cuts are exceptional. But what we would do is we would freeze it first and then slice it very thinly. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Right. Um, now my next question is: um, What is it? Oh, I don't even know the. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Gougier. Gougier. Yeah. What is it? It's a little French cheese puff. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, love it. Little cheesy French puffs. You do really good little French cheese I love puffs. them. I love them to death. You know why? You because they go so well with champagne. Those ones I had at yeah. French Saloon. Yes, yes. They just yeah. exploded in your mouth. So we, we make them with, uh, it's actually made with um, semolina. Oh. And so it's gluten free. So it's. Right. Yes. And uh, yeah. Okay, so take me through how I make one. Uh, basically, you put semolina into a into a, a KitchenAid, mm-hmm. whiz it round with your grated cheese, yep. and you add a little bit of egg white, 
And essentially, that's it. Wow. And then a little bit of salt and pepper and... A little mini muffin tray or something? Yeah, that's it. Heat that. A little okay. bit of oil, bang in there, and it puffs up. And they, they are fantastic and great for canapes because you cook them at the last minute and you get that beautiful cheesy aroma and yeah. it goes exceptionally well with champagne. So Can you I pipe love goat's cheese or something you inside? You can do all that sort of stuff. We, we use it with ham on and little olive How dust. How exciting. I'm going to try this. These little oniony, the cheesy, tarty things are fantastic. Great because for canapes. last week, Ralph Kite Powell mentioned yes. it and I... Mentally noted, yes. I must ask you this week what he was talking about. Yep, they're great. I didn't know. Um, like a little mini onion muffin. All right. What's a very simple jus? Jus. <laughs> a jus. A jus. Yeah, basically all it is that is a I can stock. whip up. So it's basically a reduced stock. So you make it, make it, you've got a stock, you get your processed stock, yes. and buy it from your, your big chain supermarkets or from your local butcher. Yeah. In a pan, reduce some red wine down, so add I don't that jus put to it. Grey box into it. No, and okay. just cook it down. Basically, jus means a super concentrate of the reduced sauce. Right. Okay. Yeah. So lamb jus is reduced lamb stock right. all the way down to it's sticky and make basically a smear on the plate. Okay. Well, that sounds doable. Yeah. It's very, cooking is all about common sense. Very you've got to be sensible. You say that, but sometimes my common sense and yours are a bit different. No, no, but also if you, if you appreciate the product that you've got, like Mark was saying before about chamomile and lamb, mm. you, you imagine if you're smelling chamomile mm. and you've got the lamb there, you think, yeah, they work together. Yeah. Is the chamomile going to go really well with a piece of beef? Not really. You know what I mean? But the lamb, because of its fattiness and the dryness of the tea, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really good idea. I too. might nick that one before his book comes I out. I think so. And then claim it as your own. <laughs> that's right. I so love it. I can't that. believe Mark's copying me again. I know. <laughs> just, he's just such a scoundrel. Yeah, well, that's right. You know. <laughs> um, how's the French Saloon going, by the F- way? Fantastic. Thank you very much. And I think what we should do this year, yes. let's have a reader's, uh, not a reader's, a listener's dinner. Yes. So let's, towards the end of the year, let's have a listener's dinner. So I we'll have a bit idea. of a competition and all that sort of stuff. I we'll, love that idea. We'll do something. And people who email in and say why they should be invited and where they're from. Love you it. Know, we won't fly anybody in, so if they're in Melbourne, <laughs> but we'll do, it, we'll do it for an event or something. I think that's a fantastic yeah, idea. The What's Cooking uh, French Saloon event. Tell us if you'd like to come to our dinner that we're going to have mm. at some point. Register your interest with us at whats-cooking.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, towards the end of the year. Let's say it. Let's, yeah. yeah we'll, 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 how long, when, when's our one-year anniversary? September-ish. Perfect. There you go. Up to September. We've got one year anniversary. Let's have a little reader's dinner. That sounds... Re- reader. Readers. I keep saying keep readers. Saying I don't know why listeners. I keep saying that. Listener's dinner. They're not reading anything. Yeah, well, they're going to read the email back to themselves. <laughs> Thank you so much, Ian. Always You're a beautiful my, man. Thank you, Nerida. Love you coming on. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the week. I will. You've been listening to What's Cooking, Macquarie Radio, NTS.